0: This is Illinois in Focus, powered by the Centersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Coming up, we'll review the week's top stories and get commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb about the situation unfolding around Exelon's announcement, its closing nuclear power generation facilities across the state, and more. That's ahead with Illinois in Focus, powered by the Centersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Hi, this is Chris
1: Krug, publisher of The Center Square. Our team produces the nationally read and recognized news stories at thecentersquare.com the country's fastest-growing nonprofit, nonpartisan, state-focused news and information site. We deliver essential Illinois news and information with a taxpayer sensibility through reporting that's easy to understand and easy to share with your friends and family. get the news that you need to know at thecentersquare.com that's thecentersquare.com
0: thecentersquare.com this is illinois focus powered by thecentersquare.com i'm greg bishop here are some of the top stories from the past week after weeks of declines illinois had an increase of nearly 3,000 initial unemployment filers on top of the filings from the week before it's unclear how the Pritzker administration's handling the continued influx. Earlier this week, the governor said they're working on setting up additional benefits for unemployment, but didn't say when that'll come about. It takes a lot of setup
1: on an internal basis for us to to move forward with that, and so that that's what we've been doing.
0: Multiple messages were not returned, seeking information about how much has been paid to how many people and how much the state's borrowed so far this calendar year to cover the costs. State Representative Stephanie Kifowitz said lawmakers will get answers, just not through a public hearing.
1: I don't think it would be conducive that public hearings, when we're having bicameral, bipartisan uh, working groups and and commissions meeting at this point in time, uh, to try to get to the bottom of the situation.
0: Around 25,000 new unemployment claims were filed in Illinois last week. It's 3,000 more than filed the week before. The national trend is fewer filings than the week before. Earlier this month, State Senator Chapin Rose demanded the governor open up the Illinois Department of Employment Security offices to work through the backlog. Put the plexiglass screens up, put a tin up and do it outside. I don't care. OK, but it's time to help these people. Rose got nine other state senators to sign on to a letter to that effect. Kifawit opposed the idea.
1: I think that uh, right now, if the job can be done without the offices being opened,
2: I think that that's the best avenue. Um, Next week, we're going to hear from IBEs, and that question is going to be presented and, and discussed.
0: Meanwhile, Exelon announced two nuclear power plants will close next year. Cole Lauterbach has more. Nuclear power company Exelon announced Thursday morning that their Dresden facility near Joliet and their Byron plant near Rockford will close in the fall of next year. Dresden is in State Senator Sue Rezin's district. She says the loss is devastating for the local economy and that those closures represent a large amount of base load energy that the state must now find somewhere else, likely from coal-fired or gas-powered plants.
3: And Once you say you're going to close or decommission a plant, you cannot simply in two years flip the switch back on because you want the plant back on. It does not work that way with nuclear power plants.
0: She worries that the loss of base load power could create brownouts or rolling losses of power in times of high consumption, similar to what California is seeing currently. Without a state-based wholesale energy market created by lawmakers, Exelon says two more plants are likely to close due to record low energy costs. I'm Cole Lauterbach. Republican Senators and Governor J.B. Pritzker's Region 7 say the Democrats doing backroom deals Now how he mandates stricter COVID-19 mitigations on certain businesses over others. Pritzker said it was a mistake to relax mitigations in a different region. Standing with Democrats in Will County, Pritzker announced mitigation measures for Will and Kankakee counties. He said the region's exceeded 8% positivity rate for more than three days.
1: All indoor bar service and indoor dining service will be closed. Outdoor bars and dining may stay open for table service if they follow the required mitigations.
0: Area Republican state senators Sue Rezin and John Curran said the governor's not being fair because the mitigations are different than they were for the Metro East area, where restaurants can still have dine-in, though limited. State Representative Mark Batnick agreed. Well, I always despise a double standard. doesn't make any sense to me to have a double standard. You have rules and you follow them or you don't. Pritzker said Region 4, the Metro East, their mitigations aren't working and they'll likely be closed to the public for indoor service next week. Batnick demanded the governor provide more details for those decisions. Pritzker also announced statewide restaurant patrons must wear masks more often.
1: Uh, When interacting with wait staff and other employees, customers must follow this rule when food and beverages are brought to the
2: table, when orders are placed and when picking up carry-out orders.
0: Kankakee County Sheriff Mike Downey said his office will only enforce the law if there's a physical altercation.
1: But, you know, if somebody calls and says so-and-so is not enforcing
2: the mask issue, you know, that's going to be a Kankakee County Health Department issue.
0: Public health officials, Dr. Ngazea Zike, she said residents have to do better at wearing face coverings properly to best slow the transmission of the virus. Meanwhile, as a former U.S. attorney reviews what kinds of legal ramifications there are for the lack of oversight of more than a dozen substantiated complaints at long-term care facilities in Illinois during the COVID-19 shutdown, some are calling for public hearings. Last month, Deputy State Long-Term Care Ombudsman Chuck Miller said they couldn't properly advocate for residents they represented because of COVID-19 restrictions.
3: I'll just say our program had some difficulties in the beginning um, because we're not the regulators. Our residents can make a complaint to the Department of Public Health, and then they would send in the surveyors. Last
0: week, the Illinois Department of Public Health said it did not follow state law, and complaints weren't followed up on. State Representative Tom Demmer said IDPH does send inspectors to long-term care facilities throughout the state. But we know that you know they're not going to, to catch every case, and that's why there is this ability for a resident or a family member um, to file complaints um, to, to prompt an investigation. But IDPH said for more than 15 weeks during the Pritzker administration's shutdown, its Bureau of Long-Term Care wasn't properly processing or investigating complaints. Dimmer said there need to be public hearings. We should be honest about the fact that, and they were, that they they dropped the ball on this. They're trying to take some corrective steps. I think it would be really good to have those discussions in public. Messages seeking comment from the chairpersons of the Senate and House Human Services Committees weren't returned. AARP of Illinois' Bob Gallo said Illinois nursing homes have for years been among the worst run, and the pad- pandemic shows just how unprepared the operators and state regulators have been. Some of these violations are things like beds that are horribly painful, cause
1: uh, cause sepsis infections and lead
0: to death, or bed bugs that exist in some of these homes and that aren't being eradicated. Republican state representative. Tim Butler, he said it's beyond time for public hearings.
2: We should have had hearings when 25 people at the villas in Sherman passed away because of COVID in a few weeks' time. That's when, you know, (laughs) several months ago.
0: Butler said there seems to be a double standard as Democrats went after a former Republican governor hard for a Legionnaire's disease outbreak over several years. For COVID-19, of more than 7,900 individuals, public health officials say died from COVID-19, More than half, or over 4,300, were from long-term care facilities. In more than five months into the COVID-19 pandemic, with the governor issuing more mandates on businesses, problems with long-term care facilities, and unemployment issues, Republicans are looking to hold their own oversight hearings. Criticizing the lack of meetings by the Joint Commission on Ethics and Lobbying Reforms, State Representative Grant Worley listed off a slew of other committees and commissions that have met publicly during the pandemic, he also said it's important to get to the bottom of the lack of long-term care oversight. As much as I want to get back to Springfield and address ethics, I think this is something also that we need to be making sure that we're keeping a watchful eye on to, to ensure that it does not happen again. We do not know what the future holds for COVID in the fall or winter. State Representative Tim Butler suggested moving forward with their own hearings if Democrats refuse to provide that oversight. State Representative Blaine Willhauer said that's a good idea, but there are other avenues to put pressure on the Pritzker administration to be transparent.
2: Ultimately, the people of Illinois, they're the ones that need to stand up and say, you know, enough's enough.
0: As the school year starts, most students across the state going remote, some parents aren't happy about it.
3: School administrators point to rising COVID-19 numbers as a reason to keep students out of the classroom. Stephen Wilder is the superintendent of schools in Sycamore.
0: As a
1: father myself... Uh, I recognize that uh, that's going to have a detrimental effect on our students at home, but please know there's nothing more that we want than to bring students back
0: full-time. Dr. Chris DeAngelis, the school choice director with the Reason Foundation, says he has heard complaints from parents about remote learning.
3: My families with with high schoolers say that teachers are lecturing one hour a week and giving online worksheets. Some teachers never showed up for quote-unquote class. Elementary kids are expected to sit at the computer for six-plus hours. A majority of Illinois students are starting the school year with remote learning, but many school administrators plan to reevaluate the situation in October. I'm Kevin Bessler.
0: Illinois Black Chamber of Commerce President and CEO Larry Ivory says now's the wrong time for changing Illinois' flat income tax to one with higher rates on higher earners. Ivory said 40% of businesses may not survive the economic impact of the pandemic and because of the state's poor business climate, Those looking for jobs are already being hurt because businesses are leaving the state. Chicago State Representative LaShawn Ford defended the proposed graduated income tax up for voters this November, saying that the structure needs to change.
2: If we can make sure that those that make more pay more, we uh, should do that.
0: But Ivory said it's ridiculous to think raising taxes on businesses won't affect their employees.
3: It has no sound economic basis in terms of it making any sense. Now, I understand that we have a deficit. But we've had a deficit
1: for quite some time, and there's no restrictions in terms of how they're going to spend the money.
0: Ivory said their concerns are falling on deaf ears at the governor's office. We had an
1: opinion on the progressive tax, and the governor didn't like it for us to have an opinion. And. Uh, We think that's unfortunate that uh, we're in that position at this point in time. We'd much rather
3: work with governors.
0: He said the organization has worked with governors from both sides of the aisle for years. Pritzker last week said he's spoken with opponents of the progressive tax plan. Voters will get their say on that proposed progressive income tax this November. Those are the top stories from the past week for Illinois. Find more online at thecentersquare.com. Coming up for Illinois in Focus, commentary from the Center Square publisher, Chris Krug, and executive editor, Dan McCaleb. This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Illinois in Focus Crosstalk segment. I'm Chris Krug, publisher of the Center Square here in Illinois. Joined by my friend and colleague Dan McCaleb, executive editor of the Center Square. Danny, how you doing today?
3: I'm doing all right. It's already been a full day, and what it's like, ten eighteen.
1: Yeah, on and we are taping this on Thursday, August twenty seventh, and uh, lots going on. We have news into the newsroom today that's pretty fascinating. Um, uh, Exelon, you know, part of ComEd. Uh, announced uh, very early this morning that it's uh, two of its nuclear power facilities, uh, the one in Dresden and the one in Byron, are both going to be shuttering. Hmm. Yeah. That's fascinating, isn't it?
3: Yeah. Excellent o- owner of ComEd, who's been uh, going to the state legislature for years, looking for uh, bailouts uh, on the back of uh, ComEd repairs um, got uh, s- such a bailout in 2016 by, hmm, maybe employing some of Mike Madigan's closest buddies. Maybe. I mean, maybe.
1: Uh, Yeah. We're not sure yet.
3: But announced today, despite the bailout in 2016, after hiring a bunch of Madigan's uh, cohorts, that it's closing its Dresden and Byron facilities, which employ more than 1,500 full-time employees and uh, what it says is 2,000 supplemental workers uh, uh, in the state because – Uh, the plants are not financially viable.
1: How about the tax implications of this for those local communities? I mean, we did a story at the Center Square. I want to say it was in 2019. um, And it had to do with, I believe it was with Byron. And the Byron facility paid more taxes, more more state taxes, than uh, the Disney property in Orlando, Florida, and here to make it local, paid more in property taxes than the Sears Tower slash Willis Tower slash whatever they call that tower now, uh, the the very tall building uh, in the South Loop.
3: Yeah, so the impact is uh, for the Byron plant alone is $36.5 million annually combined. The two plants, the Dresden and Byron facilities, um, pay nearly $63 million in taxes um, each year. So so the uh, impact on the local communities there is going to be huge. Uh, of course, we referenced uh, 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 early on uh, about Exelon uh, employing some of my, Mike Mannegan's uh, friends, Exelon, um, was it last month? I think it was last month. Could have been June. They're all running, as we've said, though. The days are all running together. The it's months are all march. running together. It's still
1: March here in COVID land. It's just right. the hottest March that we've ever had.
3: Uh, Exxon essentially pleaded guilty in a, in a, a widespread federal corruption probe, uh, pleaded guilty um, in a deferred prosecution action um, to... Uh, Pay-to-play politics. Uh, Essentially, they admitted to hiring cronies of House Speaker, longtime House Speaker Michael Madigan, um, to get in return uh, favorable legislation, including that 2016 um, bailout. Um, After that uh, was announced, of course, there was uh, further scrutiny on Exelon's dealings with state government, and now they come out and say they're going to have to close two of their plants because what? They're not going to be able to participate in the pay-to-play politics anymore?
0: <laughs> oh, jeez.
1: Yeah, I guess uh, I guess that that, uh, that that works. You know, if you don't like our deal, we're going to take our power plants and go home? I don't know. I mean, how in the world, did, did, you know, is this allowable? Is this permissible? And, you know, it's obviously the stories is coming together. We have not heard from Governor J.B. Pritzker on this. I would think he might be interested in having something to say later today, and of course, we'll report that at the center square. By the time you hear this, there are, there should be some kind of a comment on what's going on with those two power plants. It's early on, but do you do you really think that they're going to shutter those plants? Or do you think that this is just, uh, you know, again, a uh, uh, game of political chicken?
3: Uh, it's possible it's a game of political chicken. I, I sure as hell hope that uh, uh, Illinois lawmakers, after what's unfolded, uh, do not um, bow to any uh, pressure they have for further ratepayer increases or a further um, bailout. Should have been, should not have been done in 2016 to begin with. Obviously, we know uh, why legislators approved it uh, because Exelon scratched uh, some key officials' backs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure yet. The the, the um, the closures are scheduled for 2021 um, and 2022. Oh, no, both are scheduled for 2021, one in September and one in November. Um, mm-hmm. So there is still a, a year for them to maneuver. Um, but I'll uh, sure is to say my opinion is we, the state government better not uh, bail them out. Now, one thing I do need to, to say is Exelon is saying that the, the, their planned closures of the fill, uh, facilities is not. Um, tied to the ongoing federal investigation um, of course they're going to say that um, so who knows
1: so does this present an opportunity for uh, uh, Mr. Montgomery Burns to come in and take over uh, these <laughs> nuclear power plants I've been watching this this television show for many years and is that a Simpsons
3: seems- is that a Simpsons reference
1: I don't know what the name of the show is. I mean, it's. I think it's a cartoon, or you know, it's. Uh, I mean, it's a. It's just sort of a character show. I'm not sure, um, but you know, there doesn't seem to be a problem in in that
3: Springfield with regard to running. <laughs> nuclear power so i do have to admit that i'm not a frequent viewer of the show so uh i did get the montgomery burns reference but that's about the extent of it.
1: all right i'll let go of that i'll let go right. of that so this is a very this is a this is important news and, and for people in illinois um because you know uh, really ever since edison did what he did uh electricity is kind of something that we rely on and it'll be fascinating to see what the ramifications of this
3: are unless you live in california you know, you, you, you have to learn to live without electricity <laughs> right. parts, parts of the year.
1: Right, Illinois with rolling blackouts. That'll be
3: fascinating.
1: <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, that'll be great. Oh, man. So, all right. So, um, we'll track that news, and there's plenty of news that come out of that. So, COVID-19, you know, um, it, it's not like we can't talk about it. Um, there's, this is one of those stories that, that you know, just like literally, it's so... All-encompassing, you know, it's it's touching every aspect of our life. It's touching at every, and we're going to talk about schools and COVID and schools in a little bit. But you know, as it pertains to sort of like government and government decisions over the last, I guess it would be really like the last six months have been have been fascinating. The legislature really has not participated at a very high level in the state of Illinois, and every state manages this is managing covid differently. You know, there are states that have full-time legislatures. They're in and they're they're working on things with regard to, you know, to covid policies and things like that and they're, you know, the legislature is is actively engaged in the ultimate decision making. Here in Illinois, the 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 approach that we've taken as a state is very much been driven by the executive office. It's been driven by the governor's office. And now Illinois Statehouse Republicans are talking about just saying, hey, you know what? If we're not going to come together as a legislature, uh, we're going to get together just as a, as, you know, just as members of the of, of the of, you know, of the GOP and try to put together their own oversight hearings. What's up with that? And where what could
3: come from this? Well, you're right. Uh, the legislature's taking a complete hands-off um, policy since since COVID pandemic and Governor Pritzker shut things down back in uh, March. I think they've met for a total of three days uh, during their uh, scheduled legislative session, and they refused to c- uh, call a special session. But with, with new news uh, happening and uh, new things brewing, uh, Republicans have had enough, and they want to uh, they want st- to. Uh, get back involved in what's going on in the state. Yeah. What's the driving issue? Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. What's the
1: driving issue within that? I mean, it's the it's nursing homes and oversight and what's going on in the wake of a of a recent shakeup within the IDPH and uh, and uh, and accusations of uh, um, I I don't I guess it wouldn't be accusations at this point it's a documented knowledge of the fact that abuses within those uh, state managed environments have not been addressed for. Six months,
3: like basically. Yeah. I mean, it- specifically, we learned late last week, week on Friday, after we we after we had recorded uh, last week's uh, episode, uh, that more than 270 allegations of abuse and neglect within Illinois uh, nursing homes had gone uninvestigated by state um, inspectors. Um, so what that means is. Uh, more than 270 families had filed complaints of either neglect or abuse of their elderly, um, their grandparents, their parents, uh, who, uh, whoever was residing in it, and they were largely ignored by the people who were supposed to investigate them. That led to the shakeup a few weeks ago um, that Governor Pritzker refused to say why uh, two high-ranking people in the, um, in the department that oversees nursing homes uh, were let go until it was revealed um, last Friday, that this this was ongoing. Um, of course, there should be legislative hearings into why this happened and um, and who's who's responsible. Remember um, a few years ago when they where there was the Legionnaires outbreak yep. at the veterans home yep. uh, under uh, Governor Bruce Rauner, Republican Governor Bruce Rauner's administration. Uh, Democratic legislative leaders were up in arms and, and held hearing after hearing after hearing. Uh, over that. And of course, they should have. what right. happened what happens in the what happened in the veg, uh, veterans uh, uh, affairs, uh, uh, excuse me, the veterans' homes with people dying from Legionnaires should have been looked into. Just like these, what happened here needs to be looked into, but Democrats are refusing. Right now, to call
1: hearings, you're I mean, playing politics with people's lives, and uh, this is—I mean, this is—it's—it's it's an embarrassment. So, you know, it, it, and and this is open and ongoing, but I mean, for literally for months right now,
3: you know. And that's, let me make it clear to yeah, this so, is not a this is not a partisan uh, issue. Oh no, heck, uh, no! The the ARP of Illinois um, has also called uh, 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 for hearings. Has has other elderly uh, support groups? Um, it's insane. That the, the the Democratic leadership uh, in the House and the Senate is not taking this more seriously.
1: Well, it's not a partisan issue, but but it, it's being managed in a partisan way. I mean, right. and that and that's the problem. They're playing politics with this because it's ultimately going to be in, in you know an embarrassment for the administration, and the their, certainly their their management of this. Um, you know, for there to be 270 reports of abuse and there not to be any investigation happening as these things are unfolding. Um, you know governor jb pritzker as part of, of you know the platform that he ran on was that the loss of life as a consequence of the legionnaires outbreak in quincy was unacceptable and to be honest with you it was very difficult for anybody in illinois to disagree with that it was it was unacceptable but look at the magnitude indifference of what's gone on with nursing home deaths as related to covid Under the Pritzker administration and on his watch, the numbers are exponential. And when, like I've said, again, for months, we've talked about this. When we look back at COVID from a policy standpoint, this is going to be, I think, one of the greatest tragedies regarding seniors and, and a state's ability to protect the most vulnerable, possibly in US history. That our inability to, to do the things that we said that we could do as a state, that we accepted a responsibility for as a state, it's been a complete fall down on the job there.
3: Agreed. And, and you know, the, Illinois was not concluded in this, but the U.S. Justice Department announced uh, Wednesday of this week that um, it, w- it was uh, looking into uh, nursing home deaths in four other uh, states in the U.S., um, uh, California, Michigan, uh, Pennsylvania, and I'm missing one. I don't have it in front of me. Um, but uh, it, it, particularly if uh, state legislatures don't look into this, um, I would I would ask the U.S. Justice Department to look into this as well in, in, yeah. in Illinois. Yeah, I think that that would be fair. There are some
1: issues that Illinois can handle on its own. I'm not sure what they are. This one isn't one of those issues. And if they're not even going to involve the legislature, in conversations about sort of what's going on i mean then you know what they need to defer to a higher level of oversight and and this is where i think you know in the relationship between the states and the federal government um, where intervention would seem to be appropriate.
3: Well, that's what the checks and balances of you know government are supposed to be out. You, the legislature is supposed to check the executive. The executive is supposed to check the the legislature. Um, but it's it's not it's has not hasn't happened for, it for, it hasn't happened during Prichard's administration, yeah. particularly during the pan- pandemic.
1: It's very much siloed, and and um and and I and the, clearly the management of this hasn't been fantastic. Um. One of the one of the other issues, sort of COVID related, and we can go on and on and on about the nursing home thing, and and I, but that's a story that's just not going to go away. We'll we'll continue to talk about that. Of course, the reporters at the Center Square will continue to dig into that because there's just a lot there's a lot of story to be told. Um, what's the deal with these liability complaints uh, that are being filed across the country um, related to to COVID? These are largely coming from business organizations that have been dealt with. Um, you know, or, or been subject to changing rules and regulations with regard to being able to open or having to close or being open to some, uh, you know, degree of occupancy. What, what's the, uh, what's the nut of that story?
3: So in essence, um, thousands of complaints and at least hundreds of lawsuits have filed, uh, been filed against businesses nationwide. Um, uh, from people who say they may have contracted COVID-19 while they were working or while they were shopping in, in a store. The, the, the lawsuits have been filed against businesses. And many states have, have already stepped up um, and filed uh, new legislation um, that, that gives businesses certain, um, uh, certain protections against uh, uh, such uh, liability issues. Illinois has not yet done that in illinois businesses are being asked to enforce um the governor's the governor's restrictions his his uh his head covering mandate um uh things like that um and it seems like those restrictions change from week to week from month to month businesses are being asked to be the police um they should have liability protections against these lawsuits Mm -hmm. now it doesn't mean it doesn't mean it needs to be a blanket liability uh uh uh, uh, liability protection if businesses are blatantly um not following um certain guidelines if you're a, let's just say a bar owner and you're packing people into your bar um and you're not you're not ha- people aren't wearing masks and then and an outbreak happens then maybe that business should be liable but yeah. businesses that are following the rules or doing their best to follow the rules should be given protection
1: mm-hmm. yeah and i think that i think that sounds reasonable and I, and i mean of course you know that uh, you know, as as uh, c- you know, consumers, we we can make a decision once we arrive at a business whether or not we want to go in there or not.
3: Right. We have personal responsibility right. ourselves. Right. Um, of course, we're a very litigious society. Illinois, um, because of its um, lax regulations when it comes to that, um, is a is one of the most. I think we've been called a legal hell toll every year for the last several years. Yeah. Um, by by groups that that follow this stuff just because. Um, it's easy for a plaintiff to to win in a judgment and hear whether they um, they prove their case or not. Um, that's what businesses are worried. About. Businesses that are already suffering from these these restrictions and the the shutdowns in March and April and um, May they're already struggling to keep their doors open, and now they have another thing to worry about in these in these lawsuits these um, uh, uh, meaningless lawsuits because uh, Illinois is one of the few states that have not given Protections, liability protections to businesses.
1: You know, I think it's a fascinating story, and maybe something that uh, that 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 you know the people in the general public wouldn't understand with regard to the responsibilities, or ultimately the responsibility of a business owner, um, and all of the insurances that they have to carry, and all of the you know ultimate like sort of um, you know uh, situations. That um, that uh, that exist with regard to, to keeping a business open, even in the best of times. You know, someone slips and falls in your store. Um, you know, w- w- there's a li- there's a liability issue. Something falls off a shelf. Someone reaches for something and you know whatever trips. I mean, there's all all sorts of of, of things that are that are wide open, and COVID is just one more significant consideration that a business owner has to manage their way through. It's kind yeah. of a, it's kind of a, I mean, it's really, it's really disappointing that the, that the state of Illinois has not stepped up for in particular small business owners, main street business owners, because these aren't people, you know, that, that are have like massive stacks of operating capital. I mean, they exist by, literally turnstile business, people coming in every day, buying stuff at their stores, leaving, coming back the next time they need it. And, you know, you don't know when the stores are open or going to be open. We've gone through that issue. These stores can open, these stores can't open. It's just been a, it's been a mess.
3: And it goes back to the, uh, the legislature's hands-off approach during the, the pandemic. Uh, it's gotten to the point where business and manufacturing groups uh, know nothing's going to happen uh, here in Illinois. So they're taking it to Congress and asking Congress to to federal, to federal pass um, federal liability protections for yep. businesses. Yep. Of course, Congress is so divided. I mean, how likely is it to happen there? Not,
1: not very. Um, no. So, you know um, – I look forward to seeing what, you know, what more of the center square produces with regard to that, because, I mean, I think it's a very significant part of um, of of the life that we enjoy here in Illinois, especially in our our small towns and even in the big cities. I mean, you know, there's a, 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 literally like on every block there are mom and pop stores or, you know, entrepreneurs that are that are trying to get businesses going you know, that are trying to find their way, you know, to the American dream. And they all deal with some level of regulatory issues and, you know, simply, you know, oversight, insurance responsibilities and, and things such as that. COVID has just cast a, a just a broader shadow over the ability for these people who, in the state of Illinois, employ, I believe, more than 50 percent of all working people work for a small business in the state of Illinois? More,
3: more than 50%, yes. Yeah,
1: we've reported that in the past. So this is not inconsequential um, and it's absolutely something that needs to be addressed. Hey, how about, um, you know, for a lot of people here in Illinois, especially, you know, up in the little corner of the state where where you and I happened uh, to live, uh, kids went back to school this past week. Um, in other parts of the state, they went back to school last week. But for the most part, uh, I think with the exception of CPS, which is not re- not returned to school just yet, the vast majority of the state is back in the classroom. Um, we had a story, uh, you know, our Kevin Bessler wrote about what the switch to remote learning means for working parents. Oh, boy.
3: Well, you're one of the working parents, man, I'm sure. Tear I feel me for up, you. Man.
1: Holy <laughs> I gee.
3: feel for you. Um, Kids, uh, parents with children, working parents with children in elementary school have to be going through hell right now. There's most schools in the state. Most schools in our area are doing 100 percent remote learning for the for the time being. And when I say our area, Chicago and the suburbs, some schools downstate are attempting to do um, hybrid models where they're in school part of the time. Um, doing remote learning part of the time. Many Catholic schools uh, uh, or private schools have gone to full uh, in person mm-hmm. um, classroom. Uh, but the parents who are on that, uh, in those districts where it's 100% remote le- learning, um, where they're having to help their uh, the first grader with technology and um, and and classroom uh, instruction, uh, and also juggling a full time job at the same time. I just I don't know how they do it. It's well, to me it would be impossible. I'll
1: I'll, I'll 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 explain to you how how it's done. I mean it's um, you know it's it, it, uh, whiskey helps. I I would say <laughs> you know and and getting getting to the getting to the cabinet you know at uh, 5 instead of 5:30 i think would be my recommendation on how to, how to manage this the best way it's um you know i think a lot of it has to do with the, like the preparedness and the and the way that this all came down you know that our district the district my elementary district where my 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 two younger kids go to school um they both did surveys that really were nothing more than window dressing uh, because the the teachers union ultimately boxed um, boxed the school district into a very specific start plan, which was all remote. And so now, as a consequence of that, that you have, um, you know, kids uh, that are six, seven, eight years old are being taught via Zoom uh, in my district, which is a conferencing tool. It is not a teaching platform. It's it it uh, it is it does not always work. Number one, um, there was a massive outage, I believe, on this on the first or second day of school this week. Um, the other day, forgive me, there was a massive outage. Massive outage on the second day of school. The day before, we had horrific thunderstorms and lost power within our within our our, our local uh, municipality. So. You know, it's Thursday as we're putting this together. This is our fourth day. Um, yesterday was a little bit smoother, but to be honest with you, it, it hasn't it hasn't worked out super well. I think the most galling thing, though, you know that that that's occurred, you know, with regard to to this remote learning. This was done in the spirit of like trying to help people in my school district, but our school yeah. sent out a flyer, a PDF flyer. Of a remote learning center where you could take your kids and have them be like proctored or tutored or basically just cared for during the day. It's $1,000 a month. Oh my God. Which is in the ballpark of what my tax bill is 69 or 72% of which goes to pay for schools. So the school district is saying you know what? We can't do this safely in our environment. And, you know, this is what we do for a living, right? I mean, we educate kids, we care for kids, you know, we provide safe environments, but these places that are just starting up, they can care for your kids and you can send them there. I had a conversation with a neighbor about that. And he was, he he actually, he raised the subject. He goes, what did you think of that? And I'm like, it's galling.
3: It's gone. It makes no sense. I don't get it. Of course, you're not going to get any of the, the, the property tax dollars um, back that you're spending on um, uh, schools, regardless of how well you're they're going to educate your kids during this remote learning period. Yeah. Um, Sp- spend more. And 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 by the way, that
1: environment's safe. I mean, if, if, if they didn't feel like that environment's safe, they wouldn't be advocating for it. But we can't make our, our environment safe. Right. Yeah,
3: my daughter's my daughter's a senior in high school. Was, as I've said on the show before, they had a perfectly good uh, plan um, of half the kids going back to school so they could socially socially distance. On half the kids going back to school on Tuesdays and Thursdays, the other half going on Mondays or Wednesdays and Fridays. Excuse me, and them alter, alternating on Mondays. But then they backtracked two two weeks after they announced the plan and gone and went to full remote learning. The plan was. I felt comfortable with the plan. My daughter felt comfortable with with the plan. Um, Most of my daughter's um, friends felt comfortable with the plan. Yet they decided it wasn't going to be workable. But as, as you said, these learning centers are, it's just, they contradict each other. I don't get it.
1: I don't get it. And it's confusing for parents, you know, especially who are trying to juggle all the different things that they've got going on. And I mean, can you imagine like the average person, trying to come up with an extra thousand dollars a month to to you oh, know to ensure yeah. that so they could go back to work right okay. bananas it's bananas we got time for one more thing and i want to bring uh john spitaro um in on the call john spitaro is our you know our, our resident uh sports gaming expert uh to talk about what's going on with sports gaming in illinois there's been a an interesting development uh, with regard to um to, to sign ups and uh, in-person wagering and whatnot so john welcome to the program
2: hello all nice to be back joining you to uh to talk yet again about this this issue um yeah chris you alluded to it, a change in signups what's happened in the last oh i'd say about two or three weeks here was uh you know you've heard me talk about Local operators such as uh, Rivers Casino in Des Plaines, um, the Casino Queen Casino in uh, East St. Louis was another local operator that had opened a sports book, was able to take in-person sports bets when the uh, law went into effect uh, back in January. Um, However, there had been a delay on mobile sports gaming uh, for a few months, and by design, Um, It it had been pushing national operators such as DraftKings, FanDuel, names that you may have heard if you've played fantasy sports before. um, They've been pushing them down the road to give favor to the in-person locations. Well, since then, uh, you know, workarounds have been discovered from DraftKings and from other Companies to sponsor the sports books at these casinos in Rivers or in displays at Rivers and at the Casino Queen in East St. Louis. DraftKings was one of those who opened up a sports book inside the Casino Queen casino in East St. Louis, which let them take bets from people who lived in Illinois. However, JB Pritzker and uh, the powers that be made a, a specific decree. In the uh, legislation, that you had to physically be in the casino to register to use the app. So what's that? What that means is, if you live in Chicago, Rockford, Springfield, you would have to drive uh, a few hours, sometimes upwards of five or six, you know, depending on where you live here in the state, to get down to St. Louis, stand in a line just to download an app on your phone, go home, and then be able to place bets from your couch. Doesn't seem to uh, to user friendly certainly in the pandemic it doesn't seem the the smartest thing to force people to drive to a physical location when all you're doing is adding another app to your phone so from some public pressure a lot of people on Twitter um, you know yelling and screaming about this bizarre legislation uh, the rule was finally changed last week and uh, now you can download the Draftkings sports betting app um, from anywhere in in the state of Illinois which was uh, you know kind of an about face. Um, after a few weeks of pushback from the state saying that, uh, no, they were going to stick with the rule that you had to bet um, and, and set up your account in person. Uh, and, and now we have the freedom to to bet on whatever it is you want to bet on uh, from your couch. You don't have to bother standing in a line anymore.
1: Uh, hey, D- <laughs> hey, Dan, how dumb is that? That, that, you know, I mean, with the state being like, you know, gazillions of dollars in unfunded pension liability you know, debt and an upside down annual operating budget because, you know, we basically shut the entire state down for, uh, you know, three months, that they would somehow get in the way of the revenue that could be generated from sports gaming on- online.
3: But it, it goes back to taking care of insiders. Um, the reason that, the, the reason the, the initial rule was like this was so uh, people who are already uh, on the inside um, are the ones who benefit first from the gaming dollars. It's yeah, as, as you said, it's not as if uh, Illinois doesn't need um, the taxes that are going to be generated by this thing. Uh, it's just it's just dumb. It, it's it's insider politics and it's typical business as usual in in this state.
1: Yeah, John. Anything else we should know about what's going on with sports gaming um, in the state? Have you heard anything about handles recently? Any, any uh, other details or info on what's going on there?
2: Yeah, I, I have not seen too much hard data on, on the amount of money coming through the casinos and then ultimately turning into revenue for the state. Uh, however, I, I do think that, like I mentioned, this was supposed to be an 18-month waiting period from right. the beginning of the year. And now it's been moved up once to allow people to uh, start operating in person, like I said, with Rivers and Casino Queen when COVID hit. And now again, to let mobile vendors into the state, I think it's going to turn into the Wild West of of books here, if you will. I think a lot of people are going to start flooding the state with advertisements and messaging and trying to get people to to, to sign up, which it should have been what is happening from the start. However, it, it's hard to say where this is going to go from here in terms of, uh, Um, you know, who's going to get the upper hand or or are those insiders going to push back because the law was essentially written for them in the first place. And this is kind of losing their advantage in front of them uh, if if they can't, you know, operate for a certain time without the national players. So it's going to be interesting to watch. I know that, uh, you know, Indiana continues to um, fortify their lead on Illinois because they got this up and running a lot faster than we did. And they have a lot more players in the space there. So we're still behind our neighbor states, comparable states like New Jersey and, and, and the New York area right. have already done this and are, are making hundreds of millions of dollars of, of revenue off off of these apps. And we just you know finally seem like we're getting to the point after all this pressure has been put on these lawmakers and operators. But um, we'll see where we go from here. But the, the, the law has definitely been uh, changed and tweaked and, and opened and closed a, a few times already. So there's nothing to say that it won't be happening again here in a few weeks. Hey, John, one,
3: one, one last question for you from me. Anyway, um, were you able to put any money down on that White Sox no-hitter game over to uh, Pirates?
2: <laughs> I, I certainly rotten. did not. I certainly did not, but it was That's actually uh, it was actually uh, uh, an interesting uh, note on both the Cubs and Sox in terms of, of betting DraftKings, and this shows you how desperate they are to get into this market. DraftKings allowed you when the Cubs and Sox were playing each other to bet on that a Chicago team was going to win a game so you were certified guaranteed to win that bet. You could only bet $50 on it but they're they're getting creative in their promotions they're they're offering you guaranteed bets uh to get you into their app get you into their system and and ultimately get you playing on their platform. So a lot of people were betting on Either the Cubs or Sox to win, both from Chicago, guaranteed winner. They ended up paying out over a million dollars in bets that weekend. The Cubs were wow. Sox and played. So if you're interested at all in dipping your toe in the water of sports gambling and obviously play responsibly, but it's a great time to do it because you can get some sure things that, that you're definitely not going to get uh, once once everything gets rolling and they start actually making some money on us.
1: Mm. Well, we appreciate you checking in, and thanks for the update. It's always good to talk with you, especially about the sports gaming stuff. We know that's right up your alley. John, thanks so much. Yep. For Dan McCaleb, this has been Chris Krug. You've been listening to the Illinois in Focus crosstalk segment, commentary powered by the Center Square. Now over to Greg Bishop for a look at what the Center Square, Illinois, will be working on next week.
0: Next week, we'll continue to monitor the state's economic situation as there are continued COVID-19 mitigation efforts imposed on regions by the governor. Plus, we'll get closer to the November election and start unpacking the issues most important to taxpayers and voters as they prepare to head to the ballot box or to send in their mail-in ballot. This has been Illinois Focus. For more Illinois stories and commentary online, visit thecentersquare.com. For the Center Square Illinois, I'm Greg Bishop.